Today on the show, we talk about how money makes the Pokemon world go round. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Bruce, and I am joined here by our newest addition to the Lore Party family. Now do I go? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What do I do? I don't know. (laughs) Everyone, this is Avery. Uh, Avery is a new uh, contributor for Lore Party, uh, coming all the way from London, British (laughs) Isles. Great Britain, yes, England, the, the UK, London, not the not the other London, <laughs> not London, Texas. Nah, the the good one, the good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Avery uh, is a, a very uh, new guest. I think possibly the first international guest that we have had. Um, well, an international contributor. I think we definitely have had guests from outside of the U.S., but this is uh, their first. A debut here at Lore Party, and we are very happy to have them. Avery, uh, why don't you uh, first kind of tell us about yourself? Where are you from? Um, how'd you get into Lore Party? Yeah, so um, obviously I'm from London uh, in the UK. I yeah, I've been listening to Lore Party for a couple of years now. I think one of the first episodes I ever listened to was like the was it like Garrus as Batman episode or something? And I was just like, <laughs> With oh Mass my Effect. God, yeah. yeah, what is this? And it was just so fun and I loved it so much. And I think I actually tweeted Law Party just like, hey, I listened to this episode and I really loved it. And then I listened to some of the Stardew Valley podcast episodes and I really loved those. I think that was last year. And then, yeah, up really late, um, one night, UK time, it was like 3am and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, oh, let me listen to a Law Party episode, uh, because I find them really relaxing and enjoyable to listen to. And I think, I think it might have been your episode, actually, the Pokemon and Children one. Oh, Was that you? Yeah, that that was my idea. I did that with uh, Maya, I think. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, that was a really great episode. I really enjoyed it. It's so weird to hear people. Well, it's weird to hear someone on the show talk about discovering me on the show. I know. And you should feel personally amazing because it was that episode (gasps) that made me email. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't tell you this. Yeah. So I literally emailed and was like, hey, I just listened to this episode of Pokemon and Children and I really enjoyed it. And it was that kind of moment where I was like, oh, my God, me and my friends talk about this. Like this thing of like, why are there all of these random children walking around? What's that about? And it was just that moment that made me think, oh, I could talk about this stuff. Like I already talk about this with my friends. And Law Party is a bunch of friends having the same conversation. So why don't I just see if the Law Party team would be up for me getting involved? And I literally just said something like, would you be open to collaborating? And then, you know, met the team and now I'm here. So yeah, it's all, it's all down to you, Bruce, with your 
Oh god, that makes that warms my heart so much. I am And now we're here together. (laughs) Yeah. What a Cinderella story. I love it. So, um, Avery, you've chosen to be with the Pokemon team, wise choice, and Mm -hmm. um, we were trying to figure out what we could talk about for our first episode with you, and uh, I just kind of brought this to your attention of just, like, talking about how the Pokemon economy works, and just, like, there's a lot of different things that go in with this universe, and, like, trade, and money, and, like, how that kind of all operates within the universe, and, like, It's very fascinating when you really just kind of look deeper and read in between the lines. Uh, So that's definitely something that we both find interesting. It's kind of a broad topic, but one that anyone who's even like played one Pokemon game can definitely understand. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where it's like it's something that we all have experience of. If we've played a Pokemon game, we've all, you know, been given you know, money by random children on the street for beating their Pokemon up. And then we've bought stuff with that money. So, and I think it's one of those ones where it's where you sit down and think about the Pokemon universe and you're like, wow, yeah, the economy, like, how does that work? Because it's similar, but different enough that there are lots of interesting questions and things to talk about. Yeah. So let's see. First, let's do some housekeeping first. So uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners, fucking obvious, obviously. <laughs> uh, so email us at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts and episode ideas. Um, and I guess if you want to join us, oh God, we're going to get so many requests. Yeah, you could, you could be me next time. <laughs> See, like it's, uh, you know, work your way up. <laughs> or maybe I'm a plant. I mean... <laughs> You've invited me and you're like, let's pretend you're a fan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Avery, person I have never met before. (laughs) That accent is fake. You're not from the UK. (laughs) I'm not really British. (laughs) I'm definitely American. (laughs) I'm from Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, we also stream on our Twitch uh, account at twitch.tv slash lore underscore party. And of course, you can contact us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. So with that out of the way, what, uh, like, why are we talking about this? It's not just that, you know, hey, that's weird. But, you know, here at Lower Party, we love to just completely make giant mountains out of molehills. But I think it kind of comes off looking at how, say, you know, when you, the, the old saying, you can tell a lot by someone of how they treat their most vulnerable people or something of that kind of nature. And it really, as we kind of dissect this, I really want to see how we can gain any insight on the motivations and the true makeup of this Pokemon society in how its economy works in the universe. I think that Maybe we're going to see something a little bit more, you know, dark and malicious Mm -hmm. or uncaring about it. Uh, Or we're going to see something that is, you know, intrinsically altruistic and like very helpful to people. And I really look forward to seeing how all of this works with you as we kind of explore, discuss and uh, expouse on this very broad but abstract idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. All right. So without further ado, we're going to get into it right after this commercial break. 
All right, so let's get started. First, I was first wondering how much money is in this universe? Like, how is it adjusted to how we would know it? Uh, so I did look like online, the poke dollar is pretty much just like the Japanese yen. So a hundred poke yen or poke bucks, poke pounds, whatever, uh, <laughs> is about 90 cents American. I don't know if this is adjusted for inflation now, but, um, you know, uh, and then like 50 pokeballs costs like about 10,000 poke yen, which is about 90 bucks. So each pokeball is about 90 cents, but then you, as it adds up, it's not really, there's not really any like 20% off deals here. (laughs) And it just like, it unevenly stacks for some reason. But I mean, that's a lot of money to keep on you at all times. And especially if the whole point of a lot of things is getting these pokeballs, which are at this point, if you can't catch a Pokemon with it on the first try, it is disposable. It breaks. You can't use it anymore. And that's, first of all, kind of fucked up. I mean, to think about like the littering of it. Um, but second of all, just <laughs> it being in this sort of, it, it costs money to be able to get a Pokemon. I know there are some people who just have like a special bond with a Pokemon, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that is through trial and error with these super powered monsters. But also, the second thing that you kind of glean from this universe is that things cost money. And there is, like, a, a lot of care put into where you can spend this money. There's a Pokemart almost in every single metropolitan and even town in most of the regions of uh, the Pokemon universe. There's, it's very rare that you ever see, like, not some sort of trading hub at you know, a town or a city. And like in some, there's at least like one big giant department store that is like in this giant skyscraper building where you can buy a bunch of different stuff, like a a mall or like, again, just like a huge retail center. And then, you know, there's a lot of places to spend that money other than just like getting these different department stores and stuff. Like clothing boutiques, you can, you know, buy drinks at vending machines, you can get into parks and safari catching sessions and stuff like that. And it all, again, it's because of this money, money, money. It's this trade network economy um, that revolves, again, around Pokemon. Yeah, and I think, obviously, in a lot of games, there's usually some kind of, I guess, monetary system where even in games where you're like scavenging um, things that you find while you're out and about, you usually are able to sell those in shops if you're playing like other RPG games and kind of, you know, buying, I don't know, upgrades for your weapons or new clothes or whatever it is. Um, This is kind of like a feature of so many different games. And I think actually while you were just talking about the, um, the kind of thing around buying Pokeballs, And something that just struck me as well is that with Pokeballs, it's all based on chance. Exactly. You could buy, you know, 50 Pokeballs, but not all of them are going to be successful. You might, you know, sometimes I might go through, I don't know, like 10. Um, I think especially in the, um, the later games like Arceus, where you're not battling Pokemon to actually bring their health level down. You're catching them, you know, as they've got maximum health. 
And that means that there is a, you know, a chance that the Pokeballs aren't going to work. So if you are a, you know, a person in, in the Pokemon universe and you've bought 50 Pokeballs, which is, you know, say $90, and half of them don't work, you've just lost all that money and you can't get it back. So I think there's, yeah, there's these really interesting facets of how things work um, within the Pokemon universe. Yeah, because it's always, always up to chance. It's not just, Mm. you know, an investment in 50 Pokeballs and then, hey, you're going to get like this really powerful, you know, uh, gibble that you can train into a Garchomp. You could lose all of that, especially if you're in like a high level area. And that's Mm. maybe just where you were born. And, you know, there's just like these 50 level things and you've got like a seven level neat arena and you're just like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? And you'll just waste all those Pokeballs and you're out like a hundred bucks. Like, what are you going to do there? Yeah. And I think especially like within, as you said, within the Pokemon universe, like it is based on this modern setting. Like there are things that, you know, we have to pay for. And I imagine people in the Pokemon universe are also having to pay for, although maybe that's something we'll discuss more <laughs> of like, if they, do they pay for rent? Do they pay for their bills? Like, yeah, they have to. are they, you know, suits and stuff to go to work because we see businessmen walking around, like you're yeah, going to have to pay for transport. And most people have computers and phones and those little watches and stuff. So this all costs money. And then on top of that, you're also paying for, you know, Pokeballs, medicine, presumably Pokemon food. Like there's a lot of these additional expenses, um, which I do wonder if it's on parallel with like us having cats and dogs or if it's much more expensive than that. You mean like in terms of all the different things you got to go to? Because like- Yeah, and like all the upkeep. Yeah, when I look at my cat, uh, when I look at my cats, uh, Blueberry and Murphy, they- I mean, we pretty much do toys, food, Mm. uh, and kitty litter, and probably vet visits. And that's about it. They're pretty self-sustaining. But, like, it's, you know, it's the things like food and uh, kitty litter that I need to, like, definitely look after. God, I don't even want to see how much it would cost to, like, uh, like a like a alligator and just like how do they poop? Where do they poop? What happens? What happens? Oh with the my poop? god! Yeah, or like if you have like rye horns and stuff. Oh my god! Because you see quite a lot of people having them, like in the game. Like one of the games, like your mom has one, just like in the garden. Yeah, and you can like sit on it when you go outside, and it's like they need all the space. They need loads of presumably loads of food. And a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and I think when we were, you know, thinking about how we experience and we see the Pokemon world or the Pokemon universe, we're playing as a child. So when we're walking around the world, I imagine that there are lots of, you know, economic things that are going on in the background to do with like jobs and bills and energy sources. Uh, Yeah, I'm not paying, like, taxes when I'm, like, 10 or 12 years old. I'm not, like, putting in any bills or um, (laughs) even buying things like a car or car payments or insurance. Yeah. So it's, like, it makes sense as to why some of these things, I think, aren't really touched upon or explicit within the games. Because it's, like, 
when I was 10. I mean, <laughs> maybe I could go to the shop and buy some sweets. <laughs> that was about <laughs> it. Um, I wouldn't, you know, may have a lot of information about all this stuff that's happening happening in the background. But then it gives you that kind of interesting moment as a player when you step away and you look through, you know, if you're an adult and I'm looking at this as a 30-year-old, I'm just like, man, how does that work? Do they pay rent? Maybe they don't. I would love to live in the Pokemon world where I have super cute Pokemon and no rent to pay. I mean, I think that's why you have so many kids going out on an adventure here, because one, that gets a lot of money out of the house, uh, uh, money being like sunk into the kid out of the house of the parent. But also mm -hmm. as they're traveling, they don't have to pay for, you know, room and board or anything like that. They have tents. They sleep under the stars like little hobo <laughs> children. And like it saves a lot of money being able to do that because, you know, it's. It's not going into housing. It's not going into rent. It's not going into uh, even like hotels. Uh, what I also see is like even Pokemon centers usually allow for, at least in the mm. anime, for kids to like stay there overnight if they are like there. There's not an inn. There's not like a, you know, housing economy in some of these places because it's taken up by maybe some of the institutions that, again, are for these kids if they're in that town. But we do see like just in, some of this, it's, again, going with what you know. This was made in Japan in the 1990s, and, you know, it's still kind of set in a world that is inspired by our modern world. So I would say that, you know, the Pokemon world is, in some respects, a corporate capitalist economy, uh, society, people buy goods and services, some through small businesses, others through large faceless corporations that span other continents and they are there to do one thing and it's maximize profit. But you do see like there are some exceptions to that, but you don't know kind of where all of that is. And we'll, we're going to be able to expound on that a little bit further on in the episode. And now that we've kind of introduced this you know, economic view of the world, I think we want to answer the question of where do Pokemon trainers fit in this economy? How do they make their money? How do they use their money? What do they use it on? You know? Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a little while. Um, <laughs> Has it? A little bit. Uh, that Arceus game is still sitting there with <laughs> just the final bit that hasn't been finished. Um but especially with some of the earlier games, like I believe your mom gives you money when you're setting off as like, here's, I don't know, however much money. Go off into the wild. Here's 20 like... bucks. Go nuts. Don't die. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I'll see you again one day. Um, and I guess also thinking about parents giving their children money to like, set them off on an adventure. And initially I was thinking... Like, oh, but, you know, where are parents getting this money from? Like, how much have you been saving? Do you save for every child? Does every child go on this adventure? Do you have, like, a just-in-case adventure fund? And then during that time... I wonder if it's sort of like Sarah and John Smith um, are, you know, like at a dinner party. And we just like, oh, well, Sarah is uh, like, we got the news. Sarah's finally pregnant. Uh, we got to save up for our child's adventure fund in 10 yeah. years. 
I mean, I guess it's not that different from um, college or university students being like, oh, I'm going on my gap year. Um, <laughs> go study abroad. Um, yeah, go study abroad. And like people from, I guess, like middle and upper class families, like parents have money that they give their children for those kinds of adventures. So presumably, you know, you, your kid might go off on this Pokemon adventure, you put some money aside. Um, but also, while that kid isn't at home, you know, you as a parent are not having to pay for yeah. their food and stuff. So you're getting, you're giving away some of your money in order to save money by sending your child off to fend for themselves. So I have um, two, I have two points to make here mm. about the parents. One is, I think I remember in Johto only, uh, if you... I forget if you played uh, like gold and silver, but yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you remember the mom, like you can choose to let the mom like take some of your money out of your like bank account. Oh yeah. And she yeah, like yeah, yeah. uses she it to send you, you gifts that you yes. didn't fucking ask for. <laughs> <laughs> if my mom like broke into my bank account and said, Hey honey, I just borrowed 50 bucks so I could get you like a new clock. And I'd be like, mom, <laughs> No, stop. Why? And obviously it's always random. It's just your mom going, hey, I thought this would be useful. And then they, <laughs> she sends it to your computer. Here's an orange. Yeah, at the Pokemon <laughs> Center. Hope this helps. Thanks, It doesn't. Mom. It doesn't. I could have used that for food. I could have used that for like a, a anything. <laughs> and secondly, like not to be too stingy here, but like. Could you give your kid just like your credit card? It's set on your account. They can use it whenever, but like you can cover it. And then they're at least like not <laughs> fucking at the whim and the mercy of the universe. Or is that against the Pokemon ritualistic tradition? Well, I guess in some sense, because, you know, if you're out there and you only have however much money your mom has given you, you have to fight. That's the way that you earn money. If you need money for potions and Pokeballs and whatever else you need to set yourself up and catch Pokemon and be, you know, the Pokemon master, you need maybe an additional incentive to fight. Like you're literally fighting I don't, for I don't money know. I feel like... so that you can survive. <laughs> I feel like dying is like the the, the the best motivation there. Like I didn't know we were in fucking Sparta. Like I think we can like give them a little bit of a break. I love that you're here just like, oh yeah, just give them, you know, mom's credit card and I'm like, no, they must fight to survive. They the, must the earn weak their place. Who do not earn their keep will not become Pokemon masters. <laughs> they will go home. No, because I, I was in, uh, we were talking about, like, children in the universe uh, with, uh, when I was talking with Maya in our episode, and I told her, and I will tell you, and I will remind everyone again, I would fucking die at the age of 10. Oh, yeah. My dumbass would be fucking penniless, no food, I'd have to eat my Pikachu every time. <laughs> Give me a goddamn credit card. I'm gonna die. I do not know finance. Like, they better be teaching kids in, like, in the third grade how to do financial literacy. Because if not, you're dead. You're fucking done. Well, but you're thinking about Bruce here. <laughs> you're not thinking about Pokemon Bruce. 
um, you know, you if you're raised in that Pokemon world, and I guess if you're like, I'm gonna be a Pokemon master since you've been really tiny, presumably they teach you that at school, and they will prepare you. I don't think they're just like, hi, American child who doesn't know how to do anything, <laughs> go into this forest and hunt, and we'll see how you do. I sure hope. I mean, because everything else, like, there's not... There's not shown any like preschool school for these kids. So it just obviously they have to learn how to like read and write and like, I don't know, throw stuff. So like, obviously there's something, but like, I wish I could see more of it or examples of it. Cause right now it just makes me feel like, okay, you have had no interaction with, you know, the wilderness with, you know, buying things. And now here's your chance. (laughs) Don't fuck it up. Well, we do have those, I don't know how, like, how they're positioned necessarily within the universe, but you do have those, like, random schools, classrooms that you can walk into where they teach you about, like, TMs and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll we'll definitely talk about that, because, like, it's, I don't know if that is, like, a tuition-based thing, like, if it's, Mm. if it costs money. Or if that, like, because there's sometimes in the game and sometimes in the anime, it doesn't really connect. But uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But really, the, the use of money for these kids is ultimately for survival items, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if they don't have Pokeballs, then they're not going to be able to get a larger roster of Pokemon. If they don't have potions, they can't heal them in the wilderness or during battles. If they don't have repels or escape ropes, they are trapped in a hostile environment with like monsters that could rip them to shreds. (laughs) So I guess, yeah, there's got to be some sort of, you know, way that they can be able to have that kind of ability to know, okay, I'm not going to just spend this all on candy my first day because (laughs) I will starve and die in a week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess actually you saying like survival items like escape ropes actually reminds me of when I was, you know, a child playing Pokemon Red, Pokemon Yellow. So maybe would have been like seven or eight when I was playing those. I never bought anything like repels or escape ropes. Really? Ever. If, if I went into a cave, I am hoping I'm going to make it out the other side because if I don't, all my Pokemon are going to faint and I'm going to black out and I'm going to end up back on the Pokemon center. And I would hope that I could make it far enough into the cave that when you black out, you go to the, the other town that you're trying to get to, you end up getting sent to that Pokemon center instead of getting sent back to the Pokemon center you just came from. Because I thought it was a waste of money. I was like, I need money <laughs> for Pokeballs and potions. That's what's important. Escape ropes and repel, useless. What's the point? See, our, so I think it's also how you're spending the money. Our generation is so fucking entitled, man. Like, god damn it. It's just, oh, I don't... <laughs> I like the blacking out. Because I didn't think about that until now. Like, if you black out in... <laughs> In a cave where a mo- bunch of monsters just beat the fuck out of you and your monsters, and you're just unconscious with those <laughs> monsters still there. Somehow you show up at the Pokemon Center, and I just wonder, just is it sort of like when you were a kid and like you would 
fall asleep in the living room and then you wake up in your bed the next morning and it like you don't think of it, but it's obvious that your parents like picked you up, turn off, turned off the TV, turned off the lights and like tucked you in the bed. And you're just like, oh, cool. That's how that works. <laughs> and when you're finally an adult and you live in your own or, you know, you learn how to take care of yourself and your parents can't carry you. You wake up with the TV still on at three in the morning mm-hmm. and the lights are on and you just like feel like a gross monster person. Yeah, well, I guess especially if we're thinking about like caves, they're always full of those guys. Wonderful, wonderful. The, uh, the, the hikers, <laughs> just big bearded <laughs> men hike, who carry my unconscious man. body <laughs> and they take me back to the Pokemon Center. I don't know what happened during that time. But, you know, thank you to the kindness of strangers in a cave. Yeah, you end up at the Pokemon Center. All is fine, and you didn't waste your money on an escape rope. Awesome. Awesome. That's it. You don't need anything else. No. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, it does uh, beg the question, where do these kids get this fucking money? Because, like, you know, your mom gave you maybe, like, you know, 200 Poke Yen, which is, like, about, you know, 20 bucks or $2 or whatever. And that actually brings us to the point of kind of your main source of income in this game. And it is prize money from any and every Pokemon battle that you have. And after a battle, you kind of just get this money from someone. But if they beat you, you also have to give the money. Like it's, it's just kind of a thing. And you, I guess, give it before you black out or they <laughs> steal your wallet. And it's a very... I don't know. It's it's weird to teach kids that, but also it's kind of off-putting to know that like uh you brought this up before, right? Of like I think like the youngest kid who's like clearly in like kindergarten. Mm. Uh like you beat them and they give you like, "All right, here's here's $20. <laughs> Bye." And it's just <laughs> fuck, where'd you get that? Yeah, How I did was you keep literally that? I was, uh, a little while ago, I started playing um, Pokemon Black because there was a period um, in which I missed a bunch of Pokemon games because I didn't have a Game Boy Advance. Um, So my friend, and also like I didn't get some of the ones for the DS because they were too expensive. So anyway, my friend sent me a bunch of DS Pokemon games, one of which was Pokemon Black. And it was when I was playing that, you literally, there's a little kindergarten place on the road and you go in and you fight like these twins and then they give you money (laughs) and i was just like imagine having to send your you know nursery age child to school and you're like here's your lunch money here's your getting beat up pokemon money you know (laughs) here's some cheese in your lunchbox have a great day and they come back and they're like yeah i lost my like 200 pokey yen or whatever because all the big kids beat me up again johnny tommy come on kids get good (laughs) why are you not better yet (laughs) oh god these disappointment toddlers but also that also like begs the possibility that they also beat the shit out of everyone until you came along and they just lost all the prize money that they got Mm. maybe but i do find it fascinating about the whole prize money situation and also how it works uh just a little tangent is the npcs that you fight have a payout formula where it multiplies what their base payout is and the level 
of their last Pokemon is for you to give the money to. So if you beat like, you know, a, a bird keeper class and they have a base payout of like, you know, eight, you multiply that by say, you know, if their Pidgeotto was like 10, uh, level 10, and you give them, uh, and they have to give you 80 Poke Yen. And it's really cool that way because again, it's not like you have to owe, you know, you, you fought the champion and your last Pokemon was just like a Caterpie. You don't have to give them $30,000. Thank God. But like, it is at least like set to that point of, you know, you're in the small leagues, you get small payouts and you get more money with the stronger Pokemon that you get. But that means you can also lose larger amounts of money. Yeah, and I think it gives some insight into how that kind of payment system works because it's always been something that I think has been in the back of my mind when I have played is just like, is this just a random amount of money that people keep giving me? <laughs> They're just like, oh, I think that battle was worth 300 Poke Yen. Um, <laughs> that was or, a $300 battle right there. Yeah, this, you know, $10. <laughs> this is not worth any more than that. Um, but it's interesting to learn that there is a formula that goes behind how much is paid and how that is worked out. Although I guess sucks to be you if you are like a particular class, like I don't know, like a bug catcher or something. And then you're just a terrible fighter. And so you lose all your prize money. Exactly. And then do, are you not allowed to be a bug catcher anymore? Do you get demoted or is bug catcher like the lowest? I'm the looking lowest up level? right now uh, as we are speaking, <laughs> the lowest base payout of a class. I bet it's bugs. All those like normie kids with the like five ratatas. <laughs> Just uh, uh, the youngsters <laughs> with the backwards yeah, caps yeah, and yeah, shorts. Yeah. Well, I guess that's not too surprising, but it is preschooler. <laughs> oh. <laughs> those, those twins. <laughs> I love that I'm like bug catches up below the kindergarten. Wait, twins. no, no. Okay. Oh, that's weird. Okay. So <laughs> preschoolers have a payout of about 12 Poke Yen. And right. you think that that's low. That's pretty low uh, considering. Mm. There is one that is much lower. Five uh, in the first generation. And it is the swimmer class. Oh. Just a guy oh. in a speedo and goggles and um Yeah, where are you gonna keep cap? the cash? That's I don't know if that was the reason, but that is <laughs> genius. That's the reason I'm saying is there's only so many five dollar bills you can fit in your speedos and your swimming cap. Wait, breaking news, breaking news. There is a lower payout by oh. one poke yen for four dollars as a base payout tubers. Who are the tubers oh my god they're the little toddler kids who are swimmers like with the inner Aww. tubes it's exactly it, it I, it's got to be it if you are <laughs> if you're swimming you don't want a giant wad of cash just right next to your ass <laughs> <laughs> although maybe with the little kids where they've got the little tubes like we i think we call them like pool noodles here yeah maybe yeah. the pool noodles are just stuffed full of cash and they're like oh <laughs> you know i only it. i only have this tiny amount to give you 
Oh my God, that's totally it. (laughs) But like prize money isn't the only thing, right? No. And I, when I was going back down like my memory lane of like playing (laughs) the Pokemon games growing up, one of the ones that I remembered as well was like the gambling corners. Yeah. That they used to have where you could go and gamble and you would always try it. I think they had like an Abra, like a Dratini and something else. And you would always go and just, I would sit there grinding in this like gambling corner as an eight year old. Just be like, yeah, I'm going to get that Dratini. I'm going to earn all this money. Um, and I think there's some other stuff like the lottery. You can sometimes um, get money there or like, uh, you know, fabulous prizes and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just thinking about, is it the Goldenrod um, Radio Tower? Mm-hmm. I think that was a lottery as well. But it was, I don't yeah. I remember if you got money for winning. Yeah, you would, um, what was it? You had to put in like the register number of your Pokemon mm-hmm. and see like if any part of the number uh, yes. coincided with the number of the day. And if it did, you would get, I don't know if you ever got cash prizes, because that would literally be, like, illegal gambling, but they would give you, like, stuff that you could also sell and pawn. And I guess that's another part of it, is just, like, you can also sell shit that you find, mm. where there's just gold nuggets lying around, and big mushrooms, oh, yeah. and star yeah, scales, yeah. and what have you. And you can, like, again, there are pawn stores. And I yeah. think you also said uh, Pokemon jobs, too. Yeah, so with the Pokemon jobs as well... The fact that, like, because you get paid, like, you, the human, gets paid. I mean, um, what are they going to use it for? <laughs> <laughs> I did think about this when we mentioned it before. Uh? If I was like, only humans get paid, like, Pokemon <laughs> don't get paid. They only get experience. And then when I went away, I was like, Avery, what are they going to spend their Pokemon money on? I don't know. They might want to buy experience candy <laughs> hat, little hats you know your matchup might be like yeah i want to get a cool belt a cool hat but they can't because they have no money they have no rights avery <laughs> <laughs> no they don't they just you know fight and then they go back in their little pokeball they go in my little ball and i walk around and i tell them what to do and then they go and they make money for me and then i spend it on ice cream yeah (laughs) or they don't even get walked around and they just go and live in the computer just indefinitely yeah just in that cyberspace Mm -hmm. limbo Mm -hmm. it's great so prize money for basically pokemon cockfights gambling lotteries um (laughs) pawn shops and enslaving your pokemon to be your indentured servants so you could be able to make money off of them is what we're teaching kids that's great that's awesome that's how the real world works Love it. Mm. (laughs) And so that is kind of how money works and how at least the player makes money and like is able to get their financial independence as they continue on this large journey through the Pokemon universe. And after this break, we're going to talk about what that kind of means now that we've kind of set these rules. So just stick with us. We're just going to hear a little another message from our wonderful sponsors and we'll get back to you. All right. So now that we've talked about how the economy kind of works, 
let's talk about how in some ways it does not, uh, at least, you know, in a moral standpoint, other than, you know, having Pokemon do jobs for you and gambling and shit. What I can see from the Pokemon world is that, again, it is a capitalist society. And as we all know, capitalism ain't doing so hot right now. And there is uh, a huge, massive holes that are there in the economic inequities uh, that we can find, uh, both in the anime and the games. We can see that people who have a lot of money may not even be like very good at Pokemon battling, but you know, they have control of some of the larger corporations or companies, but there are some who are good at it, who get a lot of money and prize money, but it's all kind of tied to their skills. Uh, much like, you know, athletes, you're only pretty much getting money unless you're good and Mm -hmm. stay good. And once you're not, you either rely on your star power to make appearances or, you know, that's it. And You know, we see that some people have large amounts of wealth. They own mansions, large parcels of land. Uh, They can afford, uh, at least in the anime, to send their kids to Pokemon school. I talked Mm. about this with Maya before, where, like, it looks like there is, like, this very expensive tuition kind of boarding school for kids who don't want to go on Pokemon adventures and traveling the countryside, sleeping in, you know, sleeping bags and under the stars and in dirt. And they can just instead just get all their get their GED in Pokemon uh, just with their own parents money, where I don't think a lot of other kids can do that. Yeah, I think is it is it James? Yeah, James is super rich. Yeah, he went to one of those schools. And I remember at least within the anime, like there's within, I don't know, the Generation One show where I think. Ash goes up against a bunch of kids from one of these fancy schools. Um, And the whole kind of message that I got from that was, well, you can learn about these things in textbooks and theoretically, but you don't have the actual experience. You haven't like been out there. You haven't experienced that like gritty life of sleeping under the stars. And so that makes you a less good Pokemon trainer. So I think that's really interesting in terms of how that kind of knowledge and experience gets positioned. Yeah, I think it does. It does make them less good, I would say. Yeah, I mean, and when when we were thinking about this whole kind of topic of uh, the economy, and one of the first things that I do tend to think about a lot when I'm approaching different, you know, worlds and world building is around class systems. Um, I think I'm particularly attuned to it because in the UK, I am working class and from a working class background. So I'm very kind of sensitive around um, kind of economic disparities or inequities. Um, And at first I was like, is there a class system in Pokemon? And I couldn't think of any immediate examples of poorer people but then obviously when we, you know, have, we're talking and we've touched upon, you know, there are people who have mansions that go to really rich schools. So actually like middle and upper classes, I think are very visible within the Pokemon universe, mm-hmm. but not necessarily poor people or poorer communities. Like I can't think of an example. Exactly. And I mean, that's kind of 
again, a, a feature, not a bug of, you know, corporate capitalism. It's mm. by design that this kind of reflects our world because we do that in the real world. We don't have, um, if we can help it, uh, a lot of ways that we allow people and especially children they, you know, society, governments try to definitely shield or block them from even seeing anything mm. like, you know, tent cities or, you know, people who are uh, begging on the street or uh, someone who is unhoused. And you can see that in the Pokemon universe. You can see the opulence. You can see rich people. But that's, you know, to try and motivate you to make more money and do more things, but you don't see, you know, someone who's trying to fend for their meal. And that can either be in the Pokemon universe. You can infer that either this is a beautiful utopia where nothing goes wrong, or they are hiding that from you and you're not allowed to go Mm. there because that is something that the government has worked to eliminate from our view, not improve it, but just have it be out of sight and out of mind. But I mean, there are maybe some instances. So like, you know, what happens to some of the poorest communities for kids who want to go out? Can they go out? Do they have to work? You know, when, when I think of, you know, the, the youngsters or the kids who are maybe like very, very young and they're out here chaperone lists, is it because their parents are out working during the day? And what happens with this kid who is just like, his parents can't afford uh, a bunch of Pokeballs. So maybe that's why he only has one Ratata, or maybe he has one, um, you know, magic cart because that's just kind of what he has at his disposal in this world. And I mean, additionally, we can also talk about how, you know, what that means for people who lose battles. It's kind of fucked up if like, if you don't have any money, what happens in the, in the actual Pokemon universe? Are you saddled with debt? Do you give them your shoes? Like, what's up? And, you know, with these no-income kids, how do they start off? Do you have to win a battle first or you are just, like, saddled with debt? It's, when you really think about, like, people who are on the very edge of these economic societies, how are they treated? And it's telling of what they don't tell us. There is no visib- like discerning actual visibility of those people, of those vulnerable populations. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point that you make because I think sometimes there's that tendency to go, oh, well, you know, it isn't explicitly said or it's not explicitly depicted in such and such thing like Pokemon, therefore it doesn't exist. But it's kind of one of those examples where it's like the absence or the silence of something can mm-hmm. also speak volumes about what is not being said and what is not being shown. Yes. And I think, yeah, just to quickly um, touch upon something you said about parents who are at work all day, and maybe that's why these kids are out there. And then I was just like, oh my god, like, what if that kid with the Caterpie in the forest or whatever, there's always, like, Bugcatcher Wade. What if Bugcatcher Wade is out there trying to make money to help his mom? What if he's bringing money into the home? Like, that's how some of these children are supporting their families is through, you know, standing around on the route all day. Um, And also, obviously, in terms of, like, the... Uh, I, I guess, 
wow factor, <laughs> wow <laughs> factor of the Pokemon. You know, I think especially in the you know early generations, because that's the one that kind of immediately springs to mind. The kind of earlier places that you visit are kind of like small villages or really small towns where people have quite basic homes. Um, there's lots of forest areas. Like you're not in a city. And a lot of those people that you meet on those earlier routes do have things like, you know, Pidgeys and Rattatas, Raticates. Uh, sometimes they might have like a Pikachu or something. And as you get further away into kind of like the more built up areas or the islands, that's when you kind of start having these like really like, wow, look at that, you know, magma or whatever. And obviously if you're from a poorer family, I would assume that you can't necessarily travel to go and get those fancier cool Pokemon. Right. So then you're, you know, stuck with your Rattata. Right. And it, you're, you're just, again, it's a, so much of a mirror, probably without them even realizing it, um, the makers of Pokemon, that it reflects our society so well. That's why you have things like, you know, food deserts or people in low income communities who have never left, you know, their, their hometown, much less, you know, the country or mm. even just, you know, the, the region right over there because they're stuck. They, you would have to pay for transport. You have to pay for, you know, uh, education to get skills, to get more money, to then pay for transport and for lodging. Um, it's a society that, uh, again, rewards and demands some sort of you know, ability or in their eyes, usefulness for the continuation of their economic society. Yeah. And I think when we're talking about stuff of like, well, what happens to, you know, people who constantly lose battles or like you said, like, what if you fight your first five battles and you're out in the world and you lose all of them, you're suddenly in like money deficit? Um, and I do wonder, like, because I know there are, like, those battle mansions and stuff that yeah. I always was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to that because <laughs> I can grind really easily. I don't have to walk around. I could just go to this one place, fight a bunch of people, get a bunch of money. And now I'm like, oh, my God, what if all those people in that mansion are in debt? Like, that, maybe that's why they're there is they're trying to work off this debt or, you know, the people in... Pokemon gyms that you fight before you get to the gym leader, you know, are maybe debt in debt in the sense of like they don't get paid, but they get bored and they get food for being part of the gym. Exactly. But obviously, then they're not earning any money, so they can't go anywhere and they can't leave. Yeah, they're just kind of, again, indenture. They are saddled with working for this person. Like, I think maybe there's like, you know, someone who's like, oh, I want to become the next gym leader. But there's sometimes, again, when you're at the higher levels of the gym leaders, like there are way too many people who mm. are here to defend the gym leader before you get to them that they all can't just be a part of this. So like it's there's got to be some sort of debt. There's not really been an explanation of debt. And it's weird that we have such you know, have so many amounts of, you know, different transactions and uh, items to trade, but not anything where we talk about, you know, you owe me this much because, you know, you just pay everything in cash, not in credit. 
And I don't know that I feel like, you know, we have teleportation technology, we have little like capsules and stuff, and we have all like these computers and stuff. We should have like credit cards and like, you know, virtual currency, but none of that seems to be prevalent here. And it may be just because you're a kid, but I don't know. It just feels like there definitely is some sort of debt again, that is being shielded or obscured in the society to, you know, children or people who are not of age to be trusted with it or to be, you know, who who can benefit from it. But the greatest need for these trainers other than food is healing, not for themselves, but for their Pokemon. This is their, you know, this is the way they make money. Like, you know, imagine, you know, you're a, a, a delivery system person, um, you know, a, a courier. You don't use your car to drop off packages. You have, you know, something that the company gives you, a truck and maintenance or damages that are done on it uh, to be repaired are all done by the company because that's your source of income. If you lose that or if you're doing like Uber, unfortunately, you have to pay for those damages yourself and you don't get that kind of, you know, support. But in here, uh, Pokemon battles are how, again, with the prize money, you get that income. So you can pay for things like potions or revives or food for your Pokemon or anything. That's where you get your money after you get like the first jumping off base point of, of money. And that is weird because Pokemon centers are free. It's that constant in the anime and in games. You never have to give them money. You could. I mean, honestly, you could. But it is interesting that it is not. And, you know, everyone says, hey, this is, you know, a kid's game. But, like, I still have to buy Pokeballs. I still have to do this. Mm. I still have to do that. Why not Pokemon centers? And I think, you know... These Pokemon centers are, again, just for the Pokemon. I don't even know if they have free healthcare in terms of, like, for humans. It just seems to be for the Pokemon, right? Yeah. Just thinking about that whole, like, where are the human hospitals? Um, So I think even, like, really early, old-school Pokemon anime when... um, like Pikachu is constantly electrocuting Ash, <laughs> and it's like, does he need help for that? Is he, okay? <laughs> is he just is he just gonna walk around having been electrocuted? Like there are times when they get, you know, the kids get really busted up and bruised, but we don't really see them receiving medical treatment. We only see people using Pokemon centers, and again, like this is an anime rather than the games, but again. Like, we know that they get bored and they get food if they go to the Pokemon Center. Um, you always see, like, a bunch of kids, like, at night, they're all sleeping um, sleeping at the Pokemon Center. Which then raises the question, well, no one is paying to use the Pokemon Center, so who is paying for it? Like, it, these things don't just spring out of thin air. Like, there must be something or someone that is paying to run the Pokemon centers. And I think one of the things that we kind of briefly talked about, and I know I've spoken to other people about as well and seen other people talking about is like, maybe this is, you know, the Pokemon League. You know, they're offering a a free healthcare service 
so that you battle your Pokemon in the leagues and you're supporting all of this kind of like battling part of the economy that people otherwise wouldn't be able to do if they didn't have access to free Pokemon healthcare? Um, or is it one of these large corporations that we know that exist? Are they paying for the Pokemon centers? Is the government paying for it? Like, what is going on? We totally cracked the code on that because it makes too much sense. First of all, if you've ever, ever been to a hospital or a veterinary clinic, it always costs an absorbent amount of money, not just for the construction of the building and staffing it with people who are, again, taking years and years of medical school uh, to be able to get there. They obviously have uh, a large amount of food, uh, of bedding, of supplies. That costs huge, huge amounts of money. The fact that none of it costs the 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 person a single cent not a dime not anything means that it is being completely footed by some other entity and you know a large corporation that maybe benefits off of uh pokemon battling or the government which again benefits from it or the entire pokemon league in general makes so much sense because what are they getting out of this? It's not just, oh, we want to help the kids not fucking die in the wilderness and be, you know, completely uh, destitute. It's because the more time that you have to be able to get back out there, get your ass kicked and trade money, have that, you know, you know, giving and taking of prize money to go and invest in, you know, different economies in uh the pokemarts and uh you know maybe putting in money for your um entry into a pokemon tournament it's all fueling that economy you make it free in that one respect you've got so much more money coming in if people had to pay for a pokemon center less people would be battling they'd be like all right two trainers eyes met that means we have to battle uh no i have so many bills coming in. Fuck off. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm not just doing this. Just walk around with your eyes closed all the time. Just mm-hmm. like, well, if I can't meet your eyes. Gerald, uh... open your eyes. We have to battle. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You kicked my ass and you took my last $5. I am eating just bread today because of that. Yeah. And like even thinking about like, you know, the running cost of a Pokemon Center also makes me think of like, all the joys who is paying all these joys exactly they are like they they seem the other thing is that they are they all seem like they are state sanctioned with the amount of uniformity that they have mm. maybe corporate but like they all have a uniform in their hairstyle too which is weird but like it's in every region in every country that has to mean something yeah And I think even down to like, you know, the standardization of like the Joys and the Jennies, um, the fact that the money system is all the same across Mm -hmm. the regions, like there are all of these things which in order to achieve such standardization across such vast regions, leads me to believe there is some kind of centralized power whether that's a corporation or some kind of government that we don't really see 
there's someone kind of behind the scenes, you know, engineering all of this and making sure that it runs smoothly. Um, and just on a like super brief tangent, just because I was thinking about it more when we were talking about like who pays joy and this aspect of jobs is also, you know, we know that a lot of Pokemon do a lot of jobs, especially like manual labor or, you know, at the Pokemon centers. We know that like things like Pikachus run the electricity if the generator goes. And when you're able to do Pokemon jobs, uh, like the variety of places that you can send them to, they're doing things like, you know, career deliveries, cargo transport, working in coffee shops, customer service, like a whole bunch of stuff that would normally be done by humans. So then, you know, linking back into our other discussion about poorer communities is, is there also a bunch of displaced humans <gasps> who no longer have jobs because they Pikachu took your, took your job? Like, there's so much that is kind of under the surface with this. And now we've had this conversation. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, is Pokemon secretly this massive dystopia? That's and all it. this time we've been like, yeah, I want to go and be a Pokemon master. And we see this through like very rose tinted glasses. And now I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. What are we not seeing? You will get used to it as you uh, do more Pokemon episodes. This world <laughs> is strange to say the least. And mm. it is really fucking weird in what it like props up and what it like cherishes next to what it doesn't um and there's a lot in the pokemon universe that says more about it by not saying anything and it's this mm -hmm. strange unknown of like where do you get this money where's the funding are there anyone who's not benefiting from this and they're just like hey pikachu pikachu right here pikachu here's the pokeball <laughs> you love the pokeball right that's it <laughs> yeah uh, so, um, let's see, we know that there's some things that I'm sure, uh, we may have missed. So I just kind of want to have a quick little lightning round of topics that we didn't really get to talk about that maybe some people would really, really appreciate. Um, one of which I think, uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but just like, what does the black market in the Pokemon universe look like? Mm. Cause I remember in. Uh, the second generation, there was like Team Rocket getting Slowpoke Tails, which are literally a delicacy, which I think is illegal. But it basically you cut off the tail of a poke of, uh, of a Slowpoke who is so slow that it does not understand or feel pain until I believe hours or days later. So there's like cruelty and animal abuse put on top of that. Um. But in such a way that, like, you can also introduce that to kids because when you cut the tail off, the kid isn't traumatized by it, like, running around and bleeding. <laughs> mm. uh, but, like, what other things would they do? Again, it revolves around Pokemon, where it's just like, oh, yeah, I've got myself a, a Charizard teeth. Um, I, I, you know, grate it into a fine powder that I sniff up as an aphrodisiac, like, you know, for a Pokemon warlord or something. <laughs> oh my God. 
Like when you really like, cause there's still adults and shit in here. Like, like the Charizard gives me power and I will have my vengeance and victory. Absolutely. Someone in the Pokemon (laughs) world. He must've done that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Like the thing with the Slowpoke tales though, that always stuck with me as a child. Like it just became burned into my mind that horror when you experience it for the first time of going, oh, I don't think I want a slowpoke tail because, and then going, oh my God, do people eat Pokemon? When you're like eight and you're like, this is so horrifying, but let me check the price real quick. Just in case, oh my God, how much money does this cost? So I think from the very beginning, we've been aware that there's this underground network but now I, I am also thinking like I mean there's gotta be like knockoff pokeballs and stuff like that so again yeah this is another one I don't think anyone can have a conversation about pokemon economy or poke economy <laughs> without talking about why the fuck are bikes so expensive yeah so expensive to the point where literally no one can afford them yeah it does also cost a million dollars to get a bike at a bike store and you had a really great idea of why that might be yeah so i guess my uh red string theory (laughs) about why bikes are so expensive is that i think predominantly um within the pokemon universe like we know that there are motorbikes because we see jenny riding motorbikes we know that there are ships because we go on cruises i think we see like air balloons with like team rocket uh there are trains so there's a bunch of different transport although the one that i couldn't think of is like are there cars i've seen them at least in the black and white unova series where they like you pass like a bridge and there's like cars going past you below but i also do i I remember like there are trucks in the universe um even in like the first game because that's where like people thought mew was was under the truck in vermilion city so like there's certainly around yeah, so there's a bunch of vehicles, but I think we predominantly see, and obviously within the games, we're predominantly traveling via Pokemon. So like, you know, flying on our Pidgeotos or our Laprases in the water, like whatever. But Pokemon seem to be the main source of transport. And so then I was thinking, okay, well, if Pokemon are predominantly used as transport, that would then massively increase the price of things like bikes Mm -hmm. because they're not being mass produced. They're going to have to be handmade. And in order to justify the cost of materials and labor um, and potentially energy, that's going to massively raise the price that's the only thing I can think of of why on earth a bike would be I mean, so I think expensive. that's certainly like the reasoning because again, it's simple supply and demand. And, you know, why would I get a bike when I could just like throw out my Pokeball and, you know, a rapid ash comes out, its flames don't hurt me, and it runs like <laughs> faster than a bike. And I don't need a license for that. I don't need to like do anything for it. It's just, hey, Here's my Pokemon that can do stuff. And I mean, 
you can see the other modes of transportation. There's only like two other like big exceptions uh, is in, again, gold and silver, uh, which I feel does the most world building uh, than most, mm. has that monorail system that goes in between Johto and Kanto. And I mean, yes, you could technically, you know, make that trip with your flying Pokemon, but it's obviously not going to be as fast, as simple, as safe as just getting on a little, you know, monorail system. I think that's like, it's pretty affordable and or free. And you just go at, you know, Mach 2 to get to the other side. Uh, And then the other thing is uh, going on a cruise, which still does like cost a huge amount of money, but like any cruise does, but it's like, it's, it's a leisure activity. It's an, it's an expense not to get somewhere, but to basically have a good time. Mm, yeah, because I definitely, because there's also the trains in um, Sword and Shield, which I personally really enjoy because obviously I think Galar is supposed to be based on Scotland, which is in the UK. And just the whole thing around initially the trains aren't running because there are Wulu on the tracks. And I'm like, oh, this is very British. We've definitely <laughs> had this problem. We got just have like, sheep, sorry, there's, just like there's some roaming sheep around on the track. Well, you know, rurally, maybe. I don't know. I'm from London, so we don't really have sheep <laughs> wondering about. It's not we a lie. We do sometimes have dogs who have run on the tracks. Oh my God. We have, yeah, stuff like that. Pigeons, leaves, the train isn't running because there's too much bright sunlight. Um, yeah. Our transport doesn't run for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I think I, I, I yeah. think I like that idea. Just that, you know, there's just not as much of a demand for it. I was just going to say, like, where you've mentioned before that the anime and the games don't quite match up, though. Because I definitely know, like, people like Professor Oak have bikes. Right. Like, in the anime, we see people cycling about. So it's like, are they all super rich? <laughs> Do bikes in the anime not cost as much? Well, I mean, as in the game. Again, remember, it's not like a million pounds it's like a million poke yen which would be i don't know probably the price of you know a, a computer of a of a good gaming computer probably but why would you pay that when you can ride your rapidash exactly who wants a bike <laughs> after all of that uh we had a very big discussion here but i'd like to be able to get any final thoughts uh just on what we talked about what we can kind of wrap up and gleam from this big discussion about how the economy works in the Pokemon universe. Um, I can go first and just saying that it looks like the Pokemon world obviously needs things like trainers and Pokemon battling. It benefits from, you know, the trading and the economy and the prize money from these kids going around, basically, you know, gaining trading money and then putting that money into other goods and services. And it just kind of, again, makes this cycle of trade and currency um, kind of really happen. And that is partly of why it rewards it with, you know, making Pokemon centers free. Whoever is, you know, paying for that is getting probably multitudes of money in return because of the either institutions or corporations that they probably have control over that get 
some of that money back. And I think that we have also learned just how much that is ingrained in the society. Um, In the Pokemon Children episode with me and Maya, we talked about how everyone is kind of peer pressured into having a relationship with Pokemon at a very young age. And it's because the world and the economy really needs that to happen because stronger Pokemon make for, you know, better battles and better battles, get more people Mm -hmm. to give a shit and like go to uh, arenas. And it's all just kind of this cyclical, um, never ending economy of loving and liking Pokemon, having relationships, making them battle, making them compete in any kind of pageant and them getting the money for that. And I don't think that the Pokemon universe cares about people who either choose not to be involved or cannot afford to be involved in Pokemon at all. And we don't see them because they are either ostracized or because we are given absolutely no ability or avenue to see them because that society has deemed them undesirables unworthy of attention or you know they have been run out because they are not in their eyes beneficial to this economy and society and it kind of paints the pokemon world in a different light because of that because you don't see people who are allowed to just not like pokemon or can't afford to be in you know mm-hmm. this big giant pokemon tradition yeah i think the kind of final thoughts that i have on this is that There is a lot going on, I think, just beneath the surface. Um, And I'm sure there's absolutely like loads of stuff that, you know, we've missed or things that we haven't touched upon that are things that other people have spotted. And I just think that it's a, you know, looking at something like Pokemon Economy demonstrates just how vast the Pokemon universe and the world building is. And just leaves me, yeah, it's just one of those topics that's just left me with all of these questions around how is the economy working? What is it that we're not seeing because we're playing as a child, um, especially for those of us who have played since we were children and there are things that we're only kind of becoming aware of as we're growing older and we're having to engage with these things in our lives as adults and it's making me kind of see the Pokemon universe in a different light and I just think yeah there's a lot kind of I think going on in and around Pokemon battling um, and I'm kind of very curious as to what happens outside of that circle of Pokemon battling because that's where so much of our focus has been on within especially the games that makes me very excited to kind of have more discussions and to think more about the other kind of facets of what's happening. Well that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did Please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at law underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.